Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning on this uh, webinar with Ethan D'Amato. He's going to be uh, talking about counterattack um, and just a brief introduction into Ethan's career so far. Uh, he's the head coach at Laguna Beach High School. Uh, he's coached both boys and girls. Took a little bit of break, a bit of a break from the boys, but is now back. Uh, he's won nine CIF championships uh, with the uh, program as a whole: six with the women uh, and three with the men. And he's also the technical director at Set Water Polo Club, as well as the head coach for the USA Youth uh, Women's National Team. So, how long have you been doing that with the youth team, Ethan? So this year was my fourth year as, as the head coach. Um, and I did four years. I assisted with Marcelo Leonardi. I took one year and ran the cadet team um, as the okay. head coach. Um, but I've been with the youth team or cadets for the last eight years. Yeah, that's great. Uh, consistency has got to be really nice just to have that sort of consistent coaching staff and know what you're getting kind of thing. Um, so, and just as a brief introduction of how this is going to work, work today, uh, Ethan's going to have a, about a 20 minute presentation uh, on counterattack, and then we're going to open it up to questions. So if you want to ask questions, you could ask them in the Q and a uh, on the zoom, you could ask it on the chat or you can go in the Slack channel under counterattack and you can ask questions there. It's worked best if you put it in the Q&A because then I can mark them that they've been answered. Um, and, you know, my suggestion to the people asking questions is just keep the questions tight. Um, you know, it's really difficult to answer four questions in one at one time. So if you could just do one question at a time, that makes it a lot easier. And um, one last thing, you know, this, the whole purpose of this is really to create a philosophy around specific topics. So yesterday, referee philosophy on um, Tuesday, John Abdu did a QA, and a uh, which was really helpful. And then today is specific on counterattack, but it's more of a general uh, outline. And, you know, Ethan is really generous with his time, willing to answer specific questions about how you can apply that philosophy, maybe to your practice or your games. Um, but I don't know if this is necessarily a, an area of like this is what you should do every single time it's more of like the philosophy so we want you to apply your own thinking to what ethan is outlining here so um that's it for me ethan it's all yours yeah. thanks steve i'm, I'm going to share my screen here with you guys um and just go ahead and start on this presentation um so i i when steve asked asked about joining um this week, I was really excited to talk and he, he asked us what I wanted to, to talk about. And one of the first things that came to mind is, is, is counterattack and something that's near and dear to me um, that I really enjoy coaching. Um, I think we've found some success in our programs of being a strong counterattack team. Um, you know, I was even struggling with uh, how deep to go in, what to talk about. There's to me, there's, there's so much. And I think I'm going to cover a lot here. I'm going to talk pretty fast. Uh, I hope, um, you guys that know me, I'm pretty long winded most of the time. Uh, so, um, and then I'm happy to share this, this, uh, this pre presentation with you guys, uh, after the fact, I'll get it to Steve and he, he can post it. Um, so you make it available for everyone. And just real quick on just a little background, I was thinking about this today and um, as I was getting ready for this and 
you know, right when I first started coaching with Set, uh, I worked with Brad Schumacher, you know, one of the fastest uh, water polo players, you know, ever, right? He's an uh, Olympic gold medalist in swimming and, and played on the water polo team. And he would make fun of me that I spent too much time and my practices working on counterattack. And that the reality was when it came to big games, we weren't going to score a lot of counterattacks in big games. And I, I, I kind of challenged him on that. And, you know, thinking back today, I can, I could list so many situations from championship games, from semifinal games, from big moments where we got a counterattack goal that helped separate us, that helped push us into a championship. And um, I think we talk about that as a team, you know, if we can get a, a two on one or a three on two in a big moment, if we can execute a six on five counter in a big game and score, those are separating factors for us. Um, and something that we talk about. So what I'm going to go through is, is kind of a number of things, but just starting with, with team identity, um, you know, the skills that go along with the counterattack structure. I have a practice plan, kind of a mock practice plan that I, that I sh pulled from my high school season. And then just some, some team, team tactics that, that go along with that stuff. So first, you know, in, in the team identity, and I think this is really important, just kind of lay, laying the foundation and, and creating, creating your style of play um, and what that's, what that's going to look like for your team, you know? And so, you know, beginning with the end in mind, like what, what is that, what do you envision your team looking like? What's that style of play? And then, you know, and then communicating that clearly with the team. So you get, you know, a buy-in as to like, this is, this is who we are. This is how we're going to play. And here's what we need to do to get there and get everybody, you know, feeling and seeing that, that vision, you know, be, before you start. So when we're doing these, when we're doing the skills and the drills and the things that lead up to it, you know, again, we have the end in mind, you know, we have that goal in mind of what it's going to look like in a game or, or in a big situation. Right. And I kind of broke it down to a couple different styles of play and obviously there's way more than this, but you know, I, you know, we talk about just playing, you know, an up-tempo, fast-paced kind of run-and-gun style. I think about, you know, other sports and you see like the Golden State Warriors, you know, having their success just like running and gunning. I'm a big Laker fan, so the Showtime Lakers are always in my heart. Uh, and right now you see on in the water polo side, you've got like the Japanese men are running a really exciting counterattack, really fast-paced, high-scoring kind of run-and-gun tempo. Um, and then you've got, you know, in my mind, a more kind of methodical, consistent six-person counter, you know, where you've got everybody on the same page, maybe not taking as much risk um, or playing so fast, but really good structure, really good organization. And I coupled that to, you know, kind of compare that to, to the way that the U.S. women are playing right now. You know, they play very fast-paced, very organized, very diligent um, in how they're playing. You know, and with that, I think, you know, the fitness that goes along with this type of style is uh, really important. You know, playing fast and, and running a successful counterattack is not easy. You know, so again, going back to that buy-in of like, this is who we are. This is how we're going to get here. This is, this is why we need to do these things. You know, like 
people all love, you know, nobody really loves swimming in our sport. I think, I know Steve likes it, his, his kids swim a lot. Uh, but I didn't love swimming as a player. Um, I loved counterattacking, but the reality is you gotta be able to swim. Um, you gotta be able to swim. You gotta have good swimming technique. Um, you gotta be able to get up and down the pool. The higher the level, the faster you need, you need to play. And so we focus a lot on like sprint sets. Um, you know, we're not a team that does a lot of yardage. Um, maybe early in the season we will. Um, but in terms of like our fitness, sprinting, um, head up swimming, um, different sets that are going to get us that quick twitch. Um, you know, while still maintaining, you know, the longer sets where you're going to maintain your cardio and you're going to, you know, build that fitness level. But, you know, having in general, just an overall fitness level is really a key to, to playing a fast paced style. And in my opinion, having, having a very successful counterattack. So just kind of, you know, recapping that is things, thinking about like what your team is going to look like creating that identity and then starting to lay the foundation with the conditioning and the fitness so that you're able to do those, to do those things. Um, and I, and I'm going to run through these pretty quickly and there's so many more, but you know, just some skills that again, go into that end result. Um, you know, head up swimming is such a undervalued skill um, and being able to see what's going on around you and read the pool and look to your right and look to your left. And I think something that you practice, in my opinion, um, you know, we have drills that we practice, you know, looking at certain areas while we're swimming or finding the ball, um, dri dribbling with the ball, you know, being able to advance with the ball, um, you know, whether it's ball in hand or sliding, just continuing to be able to move on the counterattack. We always want to be moving forward. Right, so being able to do these things correctly, um, again, well, well, they might seem mundane or simple or, or, or keys to, to what we're, we're trying to, to accomplish. You know, and then anticipation and reacting. You know, I, I don't know that everybody would put this as a skill, but in my opinion, it, it is. And it's something that you need to teach and you need to preach and you need to create situations where the players need to react. Um, where they need to anticipate, whether it's a drill, whether it's a scrimmage, um, you know, those are all situations where, um, you know, you need to anticipate, you need to react. You know, the best counterattack teams react really quickly. They anticipate what's going to happen, turnovers, shots, right? Um, you know, and this is an area we've taken a lot of pride in, you know, as a team. We talk about it a lot, you know, and part of our identity, we want to get into you. Um, we want to cut you off. We want to make you think about our counterattack, you know, whether it's veering into you, um, countering the shooter, countering the center, setting picks in the backcourt, but really being physical with that create, creating um, on the counterattack. Um, you know, and again, another, you know, underutilized skill, I believe, in, in counterattack is, you know, pressure passing. Um, wet pass, dry pass, wrist pass, the running away under, under pressure, um, over the defender. Um, again, things that we spend hours on laps of these pretty simple skills and just passing together as moving, moving up and down the pool. And then lastly here, just the, the finishing portion, you know, whether it's your frontline shooting, you know, backline shooting, shooting inside water, 
Um, wet shots, you guys that played in the in the 90s and the 80s, uh, the lost art of the wet shot. And we actually had a in a CIF championship game. I had Bella Baldridge scored a, a screw shot against Santa Mar against San Marcos in the CIF championship game to kind of ice the game. As much as it drove me crazy at the moment, it was an awesome, awesome, uh, awesome thing for us. And then, you know, ball side drive, early offense, setting two meters, I think all, all skills. Again, these are just, you know, a snapshot of things that I think are important. There's many other skills um, that go into the counterattack, but some things that we focus, we focus a lot on. Um, you know, in terms of, we talked about just that, that team that's got great structure. Um, you know, we talk about this a lot, but we, we definitely allow our, our kids to, our players to have some, some creativity and, and movement. Uh, but we just broke down, you can see this diagram here of, you know, sections, lanes, zones, right? So the first one is, you know, create, read, attack. So at the beginning, you've got basically from two meters here to about, you know, just before half tank is, you know, where you're creating your advantage, you know, whether that's cutting off, whether that's just leaking out, anticipating, getting out. But in that first section of the pool here, that green section, that create section is where we're going to, we're going to create that advantage. And then the middle of the pool, you've got your read section. You know, are we up? Where are we up from? You know, get it onto your back, finding the ball, finding your teammates. Again, we talked about head up swimming looking to your right, looking to your left. Um, and then lastly here in that kind of orange color is your attack section, you know, and, and where you need to get into the correct formation. You need to be ready to execute your passing and your shooting um, and be able to get a, get a good shot, good shot on the goal. And pretty simple here, you know, the counterattack lanes, you know, right lane, left lane, middle lane. Um, you know, again, the, the more we can kind of stay in our lanes and fill those lanes, the more simple it is on the counterattack. There's always freedom and, and fluidity to counterattack where you can fill for each other. Um, I used to play in a counterattack system where we were always weaving in and out of each other. I loved that. I don't necessarily do it now, um, but there's different ways uh, to get in there. But I think creating those lanes, establishing those lanes, and establishing your zones. Uh, and these aren't on here, but you know, zone one, we're the one position, zone five, we're the five position. You know, zone three is just right in front of the cage here, two, two to four meters. And then zone two in the attack section over, over in between two and the three spot on offense and zone four on that right side, you know, establishing, establishing those zones. And then within Can I ask you Ethan, could I ask you just one quick question here? Yeah. When you're talking about zones, and I get to ask a question because I have the power of the mic here. Yeah, yeah, of are you talking about zones in your practices? So you're, when you say to, to your team, we're countering to zone one, or you're going to zone one or two, they already know what that is. This isn't something that's just like a thing that you talk about on the whiteboard. Are you teaching them these zones as well, like the terminology? Yeah, and, and I think and I think I could do a better better job of it. You know, we definitely talk about it. Um, you know, we we really talk about just like filling the front line. You know, and and so we talk about one, three, and five way more than zone two and four. Um, but you know, I think that's kind of the job of the front line is to establish that lead break 
and fill those three zones. So I would say we talk about zones one, three, and five a lot, you know, okay. and establishing that, that area. Okay, that was it. Thank you. Yeah. And then, you know, counterattack rules, I'll just move through these pretty quickly. You know, ball is pressed, ball is not pressed, um, defense is not committed, right? Just kind of moving, you know, moving in those areas, um, whether it's a three-on-two, four-on-three. Um, and then, you know, formations and different people are going to have their different formations. You know, three-on-two, we talked about just like we just said, you know, filling frontline filling zones one, three, and five. So four on three structure, three people to the bottom line, you know, one person kind of in that middle lane um, around four to six meters, you know, anywhere zones two or four. And then that five on four structure getting again, you know, establishing zones one, three and five. You know, I think that's such a key part of the, of the counterattack as I was telling Steve and, you know, that, that, that'll, that allows you to be successful on a four on three on a five on four, on a six on six on five. And then, you know, six on five structure, you know, getting four people to the bottom line. So now we're filling, you know, two people into zone three on each post, thinking about six on five positions, four two structure, and really filling, filling all those zones, right? So, you know, real simply, you know, those are kind of the, the formations that you want to get into per the advantage, right? You know, some, some drills that, that we've, we've done, um, that we focus on. Again, there's, there's so many things, and I'm just trying to, try to go with some stuff that, that has been successful for us. We do a lot of counterattack passing, just laps of ball handling skills, sliding, moving with the ball. We try to use that in our conditioning as well. So, you know, you get some conditioning out of it. You're also working skills. Um, you know, one-way counterattack, you know, setting people up for – a one-on goalie or a two-on-one with someone in the middle or a three-on-two, you know, so on and so forth and, and setting that one-way counterattack one time. Um, we call it a drill pinwheel or we've got uh, one on nobody's going kind of continuous from X2 and X4, you know, practicing that, that one, one versus goalie. Um, continuous counterattack. I think most people have, have worked these drills, whether it's a two-team continuous counterattack, a three-team. We do this a ton, um, you know, obviously depending on our numbers, um, we'll mix up, mix up the drills. One of my favorite drills is an, we call it increasing counterattack and a lot of people call it add to drill. Um, per person in the well, it's like a continuous six on five drill that, that we run a lot. Um, and then just getting into like some tactics, you know, just working like one defensive possession into a counterattack. So, you know, defense to offense, focusing on getting out off, off that defensive possession. Or, you know, we got this. Um, actually, a couple of my kids played for Gavin Arroyo at, at Long Beach State and brought this into our, our program and something we do all the time now, you know, three defensive possessions on the third one, three counterattacks where we, we're having to react and then finishing kind of tired with three six-on-fives, another tactical drill we'll kind of do into our scrimmage. And similar, you know, just like a two-time counter where you're playing defense one time on offense and then getting back and trying to set your transition defense again or vice versa, you know, offense to defense to offense and trying to really work on those transitions and, and playing fast. Um, 
and you know, one of my favorites, probably one of the athletes' least favorites, is like the continuous six on six where you know you never set up, and you're every time the ball's in the goal, it's almost that person's holding, but then you're immediately scrimmaging. We'll do you know ten minutes or fifteen minutes or games to twenty and have different scores for different things, stuff like that. But um, I think all good, um, all good stuff. And I, I uh, just kind of shared here, uh, um, this is my practice plan from uh, November 18th. So we're still preseason mode um, at this point, you know, just, just getting started. I even left the, the quote of the day on there. It's kind of thinking counterattack. We had a, one of my favorite John, John Wooden quotes. I think it's always great when you're referring to counter, you know, being quick, but never, never hurrying too much, staying composed. And I won't go through everything, but, you know, I'll share this with you guys. And you can kind of just see, you know, starting with, with the warm-up, you know, there's skills in there. And then, you know, building into some counterattack passing, counterattack shooting, some narrow counterattack. That day we were focusing on, like, stunting and slowing down the counter. Um, and then into the scrimmage, like we talked about, where, you know, one counter, one front court, you know, um, defense to offense. And, and even the goalies – um, you know, during that day have certain skills that are more counterattack focused skills, um, whether it's their passing. You know, that day we were working on stealing the long pass uh, from a field player or a goalie, working inside water shots. And then we did a bunch of cross passes that day. So we did some cross pass movement. And I always think we've taken a lot of pride with our goalies that they got to be, if you want to be a good counterattack team, you got to have a goalie that can make a good read and make a good pass for you. So finding ways to, to do that. And here, this I'm just going to run through these really quick. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're just trying to create easy scoring opportunities, you know. And I kind of just listed them, you know, in order of, you know, success rate, basically, on how we want to, you know, what we want to do, really basically starting with just like a cross pass to an easy goal, getting a penalty shot, you know, 1v goalie, 3-on-2, 4-on-3, et cetera, right, you know, trying to – what, what, how can we get the best percentage look, um, you know, and then how, how do we create these chances, you know, and whether it's anticipate, you know, or putting yourself in a high lane, you know, forcing turnovers, gross and go, like we talked about, or veering in, we talked about all, all of these things, but I, I think some, some ways to create these, these easy chances. And then, you know, lastly, um, and I know I'm, I'm going pretty fast through this stuff here, but, you know, what type of defensive tactics? And there's a lot of, lot of different things. And I, I kind of focused on two that I thought, you know, we, we've done a lot and, and, and we've spent some time on. Obviously, one of them is, you know, a press defense, right? You know, pressing and countering, you know, in your face, you know, using ball pressure, pressing in lanes, fronting at two meters. All of these are putting yourself in a position that as soon as the ball turns over, you're, you already have an advantage. Um, without even having to, to cut off and, and go. Um, oops. And, and the other thing about, you know, creating turnovers. Press is great to create turnovers. Creating turnovers is going to lead to fast break, lead to easy chances. Um, you know, and then you're, the more you're pressing, the more you're pushing the offense away from, their, from your cage and closer to their cage. So making your counterattack shorter um, and, and applying pressure. You know, I really love a press too because it, you know, dictates tempo, you know, kind of establishes that in-your-face type of mentality, wearing down your opponent, you know, making, making them tired. 
Um, you know, so those are, again, a small snapshot of, of some, some things that'll come out of a press, you know, for you and, um, and an ability to, to create some, some good counterattacks. You know, we, we take a lot of pride in being able to press really hard and, and then sliding into a zone when, when need be. Um, and so the other defense that I, I broke down was like, you know, a zone defense or, or an M zone. We actually, with our club, recently broke down the USA-Italy gold medal game from 2016 where you had the U.S. running a press-to-zone and you had Italy running an all-M zone. And so we got to kind of watch, you know, the differences in those. And we, this is where a lot of this came from. But obviously the, the advantage of running a zone or an M zone is, you know, forcing an outside shot, right? You're keeping the ball out of two meters. You're limiting exclusions. You know, you're dictating tempo in a different way now, slowing things down on defense, forcing a shot from where you want it with players in those gaps, in those lanes, ready to, ready to go. The players on the weak side, teeing off and being ready to anticipate a shot, uh, you know, and putting pressure on the shooters by being in the gaps, stair-stepping, leaking out, and forcing the offense to, to think about covering on every shot. We've all played against – or maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I know I have, you know, played against teams with a really good M zone. I think about Brian Kuchkamp up at, at Sacred Heart Prep and his zones and the way his teams run out of their M zone. And, you know, a good M zone makes you worried about shooting. Uh, makes you nervous that if you take the wrong shot, you're going to be, you're going to be countered, you know, in, in those situations. So I kind of tried to narrow down some, some things there, you know, between press um, and, and zone defense and how we can establish those things. You know, for me, the, these things, our identity never really changes on who, how we want to play. But the tactics change year to year based off our personnel, who we have. Maybe we have a strong goalie one year. Maybe we have really strong defenders and long players the next year, so we press more. Strong goalie, we run more zone. Um, you know, so using these tactics, and obviously there's more than this, but to, to be able to kind of build off that team philosophy mentality that, that you've established, you know, when, when starting your season. So that's all, that's all I have. Um, that was great. Yeah, that was great. Um, a lot to sort of unpack in all of that, but you know, as people are, you know, I'm, I'm going to, again, encourage people to start asking questions in the Q&A or in the chat. I wanted to ask you, um, since I have a couple of questions in my head, yeah. obviously you having coached some of my players, you know, on the national team and, uh, you know, I like, we like swim sets. We like, we like, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> and uh, so what would you say since you, you're taking the different approach of faster, you know, a lot of sprint stuff, what, uh, what would you say are the, is the yardage total uh, that you're trying to hit? Is there a goal or is it just like, hey, when I, when I sense that they're tired, I'm, I'm going to be done? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, def we definitely swim. I mean, I, I think my players are listening like, what? we swim a lot. <laughs> but, you know, what, what I've done, I, and I, you know, I actually I took this from, from Coach, Coach K, Coach Krikorian, um, when they were – you know, preparing for 2016, he shared with me their, basically their conditioning outline. Um, and it just had different types of, of sets. You, you know, you've got your, you know, cardio sets, you know, going anywhere from like 60 to 80% to of your, you know, trying to longer sets, keeping your heart rate up, 
and you've got your test sets or your, your VO, VO2 max sets. Um, and so I outline the entire season, um, you know, and I go from pre, you know, really from preseason to CIF. And I pop in throughout that where we're going to have a test set, where we're going to have a sprint set, you know, where we're going to have weights, where we're going to have different types of swimming. And so, to be honest, there'll be days where we might get, you know, 3,000 yards in, 3,500 yards in. Um, usually not much more than that, you know, yeah. unless we're in a double day uh, where we're getting more. But I would say on average, you know, we're usually trying to hit around 2,000 yards, um, you know, with maybe 2,500 yards with, you know, the, the main portion of that being, being very difficult. Um, yeah. And whether it's sprinting or whether it's a, you know, a cardio set at a tough interval or whether it's, you know, 10 ones on 120, just trying to, you know, maintain a good, you know, a good pace. Um, so I'm pretty ADD also. Um, people know that about me. So I, I, uh, stray away from the long sets because as a coach, I just get tired of watching them. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to start getting into some of these questions that are coming in here. Um, Pat O'Brien, uh, Palos Verdes High School, uh, he asks, what is the add two drill? Yeah, so add two drill, um, essentially you're going to start with two teams on, on opposite sides of the pool. And you're going to start with a one-on goalie with no trailer. So you have a player swimming one side of the pool towards the other team, and then they're going to shoot a, a one-on goalie shot, right? As soon as they shoot that shot, two players from the opposite team get into the counterattack, and now you've got a two-on-one going the other way. And you attack that two-on-one. When you do that, the, the first team that had the one-on goalie now pops two more people in, and you've got a three-on-two. And you just keep adding two um, until you get to that six-on-five counter, and then at the end you can add one or you can stay at six-on-five um, to get to six-on-six. There's no trailer, um, which is, makes it a little bit unrealistic at times, but also allows for you to really focus in on structure. Um, and then it's a great conditioning drill as well, because that person that's going one-on-no-one is staying in for every round of the counterattack, and they're getting you know, really tired um, throughout that. We'll even do some tired six-on-five at the end of it, so we'll run the drill, and then they've got five six-on-fives, or five five-on-sixes, we'll keep track of those, or maybe a two minute scrimmage at the end of it. Um, so. Yeah, we do the, we actually did the same, same exact drill. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, we'll start it with uh, three on three on two, just, right. you know, just to kind of, we want to focus in on one specific, you know, four on three, five on six, that kind of thing. We'll start, we won't start one on nobody, but uh, that's just sometimes. So yeah. um, Stephen Loomis, um, what are your thoughts on, backstrokes place in the counterattack. coaches often say that rolling under your back for a few strokes could cause you to lose your advantage do you think that's true uh um well i'm i'm pretty big on on you know turning over for the ball um so you know i, I think you need to get on your back um at some point on the counterattack, but I, I don't think that's an always thing um so I think it depends on your relationship with your goalie um, and how and how how comfortable you and your goalie are, you know, looking over your shoulder and receiving a pass from your goalie, looking over your shoulder. 
and then also depends on the the distance of your advantage right like like as you were saying if, if you have a really small advantage and you turn over you might lose that that advantage um but when you have a really big advantage i think you should turn over so the goalie can put it right on your hand um and then i think specifically on the back line you know i'm i'm really I really don't want any wet passes coming from the goalie on the back line over someone's shoulder. To me, that's just too, too much chance for air. So coming off the back line, I think turning over is a must. Um, unless you're the one with the small advantage and then you, you might just need to be, keep going um, and someone else needs to get the ball. All right. Um, let's see. We have Ian Davidson. Uh, what are some ways that you teach athletes when to push and take risks finishing the counterattack and when to pull back and run a patient offense, offensive set? It's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. a tough question. Um, I think just the more, the more time, you know, the more time you spend pushing the counterattack and taking those chances, then the more, the more time you're going to know when it was the right or the wrong thing to do. You know, so I think early in the season, early in the summer, um, I'm definitely trying to preach a more fast-paced um, freestyle than once we get into playoffs. And, and hopefully by then we've got an opportunity to kind of narrow those things down. But I think a lot of it is trial and error. And then again, just going back to like your team and your personnel, like what do you want? Do you want that? Do you want that fast pace? Maybe you don't have a center. Maybe you want to just – be moving all the time or do you have a really good center a really good front court play where you know you're not going to take those chances because if you if you set up you're going to get a really good offensive opportunity with those players whereas if you don't have a great front court offense maybe you're pushing more because that's going to be the best look you're going to get with with that team um so i think it really de depends and just going back to the to start of the question i think you know those those drills defense to offense um, you know, doing those things. I just think the more we, we do them, the more we understand when to push and when, when not to push. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So I'm going to ask a question. Uh, I can't type in here for some reason, so I'm just going to ask it. Um, you know, in one of the slides you had put, you know, how you're creating the advantages and one of those was like bearing in and the gross and go. And, you know, obviously you've had some really strong players to be able to grab and go and, you know, um, but anybody can really do that. So I guess my question is, do you have a specific, um, are you incorporating that mentality into these counterattack drills or do you have specific drills for cutting off? And I mean, are you just doing that cutoff drill down the pool, you know, every day or every other day or whatever, or are you just incorporating that philosophy or talking about that philosophy when you're doing the, your normal counterattack drills? Yeah, I think, I think both, you know, we do, and we talked about like the continuous one on no one drill. We'll start that just, you know, we'll start that with just no, no, no touching in a trailer. And then we'll build into your, you're locked up and you're cutting off and breaking out um, and getting out. We also do two to two where we're cutting off and keeping people on our back and, and on our hips. Um, we, in our six on six, I think on that practice plan that I shared, you know, part of that was six on six. We'd start with all six players in a wrestle. Um, and then on the whistle, we're taking off and you got to create your own counterattack. Um, you know, we talk about that's part of our identity is we're, we're going to get into you and we're going to, we're going to be physical 
And in my opinion, I think we take too many offensives um, on the counterattack because of that. So we got to know when to pull back and, and whatnot. But that's definitely something we're preaching and practicing. Uh, yeah. And we do have different types of uh, cutting off that we work on, whether it's just the two hands or veering or spinning um, to gain position. So we try to teach all of those skills. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Aly Alyssa Hawkins. You have an, uh, a slide in your practice plan dedicated for goalies. Um, how much time are they spending focusing on their warm-up skills passing before being added with the field players? How much time would you recommend having your goalies focus on what they need before coming into that part of the practice? So I'm assuming, you know, the, obviously the reading, the long passing, the good passing drills, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, I think any time that – well, I think the goalies need the goalies need to have a similar structure in their workout. So whatever you're working on, their warm up and their skills should whatever that end of the day tactic is, the goalies should also be building in the same manner that the field players are. So if we're doing counterattack, then they need to be doing counterattack skills. Um, and one of the biggest counterattack skills is outletting the ball. Um, and so finding different drills and ways to outlet the ball. You know, one thing we'll do is we'll put um, like a coach in the water and they'll throw some shots on the goalies while the other goalies are swimming around the pool. So they've got to do a pull down to an outlet pass. Um, but in terms of time, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, um, usually it aligns with what the field players are doing from a passing sense as well, but they're doing it with a different coach in a different, different area. Gotcha. And you don't have that much pool space. So you really have to maximize the, you know, your practice plan. I mean, I would assume that that's a big part of, you know, having such a detailed practice plan is you have to maximize the time and the spaces you have. I would assume you know, Absolutely. other people coming in too. Yeah, I think that's made me more organized, to be honest. Our lack of space has really made, you know, forced me to be really diligent with who's using what space where and when um, mm -hmm. and how to how to get these things done at a, you know, for you guys that don't know, we've got a 10-lane pool, eight of which are – sorry, two of which are shallow, um, and it's 25 yards. So uh, I always joke with our players that, you know, we're, we're the best counterattack team in a small pool. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I also think that small pool allows us to play pretty fast at practice, um, mm -hmm. which, which helps with our reaction time. Definitely. Um, okay, Connor, um, how do you teach your athletes to read the differences or the cues between reading advantage counterattack and transition counterattack into half court? Yeah, that's such a tough one. I think that that really comes with with experience, you know, and, um, you know, we're we're trying to take our cue based off the center a lot of times in those situations, you know, so if we've got a very small backline advantage. Um, where maybe pushing that advantage through might compromise our spacing in front of the cage. Um, and we see that we've got our center with pretty good position, you know, then we'll try to take a cue from them and use that, that small advantage as opposed to maybe pushing it all the way through to the front line and using that to balance and break down the press. Um, you know, and I, again, I think that's going to really be dictated by the position in front of the cage, whether it's a center or even a post-up player that, that has good, good position. Um, and then also spacing, like, am I trying to push into an area that's already occupied? You know, 
the, the hardest thing with counterattack is the, the more people you commit to a certain area, if it doesn't work, the longer it's going to take to balance um, and have a successful front court offense. You know, so those are, I think, some, some keys for us. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, an anonymous attendee, uh, do you have a preference about which post fills in first when setting up a four on two, a four, two on a full six man counter? No. Um, now when I first started doing ODP, it was always that, that you needed to move towards wherever the ball was outletted. Um, so I think that was my initial response, but now I just think you need to play. I think we coach more as just playing off of one another. Um, so, you know, if you're closer to the two post, move the two post, um, you're closer to the three post, move to the three post. If someone's coming at you from, you know, the one, two side will move over so they can fill that post. But I think it's very flexible in my opinion. Um, and something that you need to just play, play off of, of one another. So, no, I don't really have and one thing you mentioned earlier that kind of relates to that question is you had mentioned that, um, filling in lanes, you know, and so if you're starting on the defensive end and your lane leads you to the two post, yeah. you should just be going to the two posts. I mean, just yeah. go straight down. Like there's no reason for you to be veering over to one or the other. I Correct. think that was a point. It was a, it's a very nuanced point that you made earlier in the presentation, but I think that's something that coaches should take very seriously. Having players know what lane they're in when they're on defense so that they're filling it all the way through. Now there's some instances where you might veer side to side, but, Right. Really knowing that, I think, is a, is a really important point if you're going to teach counterattack. Um, I agree. And I think you want to stay in that vertical, you know, that vertical line going up and down the pool. The more you start moving horizontal, the more chance you're going to lose that advantage. Yeah. So the more we can stay moving in that straight line or that vertical line up the pool, as you were saying, and staying in our lanes, I think the less chance of, you know, messing with our spacing or having to, to move too much. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, uh, Paul Split, what are your thoughts on how to approach a game against another team that loves to push the tempo, assuming you're a tempo pushing to team too, uh, but they do it better, they beat you more, get more goals from counter, does this change your strategy in how you counterattack? This, this, and this question should be for me more than for you, because you and I both like the counterattack. Yeah, my, my answer is like, well, who is that team? I want to play them right now, and we'll yeah. prove it. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I just go back to, like, the Dos Pueblos teams. You know, I know Connor's on this on this call, and, you know, those Dos Pueblos teams with Kylie, Kylie and her crew, Kylie and Jamie, and, and those girls, I mean, they would, they would beat you up and down the pool all the time. So you, you didn't want to take a bad shot. Um, so I think when you've got a team like that, that really lives on the counter, you know, and we talk about this, like, what are teams going to do to try to slow us down? Like, what's the game plan? You know, and for me, that's ball control. You know, that's controlling the ball, controlling the tempo, and running an effective offense that, that helps your defense, right? So if you've got an effective offensive attack that can put your defense in a good position, then you should be successful. And we'll even say, you know, hey, you know, we're okay dumping the ball sometimes. If we got to dump the ball because that possession is, is done it's, and we're going to come back and it allow us to press the next possession, maybe that next possession will be able to get a counterattack out of it. So I think ball control, an effective offensive attack, um, and then controlling tempo. 
you know, in whatever way you can. If that team's better than you then at playing fast, well, then you want to slow them down, um, in my opinion. What would you say would be a good way to slow the team down? Um, if you could pick one or two things, uh, what would you do to – what would you tell your team to slow the other team down? Yeah, I think utilize the entire shot clock. Um, you know, again, ball control, so limiting our turnovers, you know, limiting – you know, going back to Ian's question, you know, about when to push, when not to push. Well, that maybe that's dictated by your opponent and how good they are going the other way. And, um, you know, if they're really good going the other way, then you got to know that going into the game. Um, you know, so I, I think committing less, less people to the front line. Um, but, but I, you know, with that, I never want to, I never want to play less aggressively personally. Um, you know, I think I, I think we always want to be attacking. Um, so I don't want to get in that mindset of like, we're retreating all the time on offense. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, it's kind of a fine line between being too patient and being kind of like in a weak position. Yeah. And I think sometimes the more you convey that to your kids, the more worried they are about it. And, yeah. you know, and maybe that can affect, affect your offense. Um, one of the best ways to kill a counterattack team is to score. You know, because then they've got to set up set up at half with you, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, uh, Karen Crawford, uh, San Diego State. Uh, do you have strict parameters on the first outlet pass, or do you let your players have freedom to make those decisions based on the situation? Kind of both. Um, you know, we really don't want that ball going to the, to the front line unless, one, there's an advantage – or two, it's not being pressed and the defense is not being committed. Um, so that's one thing, you know, we, we don't, we try not to outlet the ball to the front line unless we're looking for a three on two, two on one or any early offense um, that's, that's available. And then um, we prefer the ball going out the right side. Um, but I would, I don't, there's no like hard set rules in that sense. I think the ball needs to go to where it's most, you know, most available and continue to keep moving up and down the pool. Um, I'm probably a little looser than most in that, in that question. It used to be really on the old school side, you know, like for myself, it was right side every time, you know, guy veers out to the right and you give it to him every single time and pass it yeah. down line or whatever. So yeah. Um, yeah, things are starting to loosen up. Okay. Uh, uh, Brian Linton, another uh, USA staff member. Uh, during your off season, how much time per week are you spending on the counterattack? Well, first of all, this is like awesome. How many people are on this call? <laughs> I told you it was going to be. I told you it was going to be intense. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, I so just going back to that um, in the summertime. That's we typically just work on counterattack six on five and five on six. Um, and those are the areas in the summer and skills, obviously, but tactically, those are the things that we, we focus the most on. Um, so I would say, you know, in preseason counterattack is taking up the majority of our, of our tactical time kind of split with six on five and five on six. We don't do as much, um, team offense or defense during, during those months. Um, and then as, you know, kind of starting to build, um, you know, once we start playing games, we try to use those games as an opportunity to work like team tactics. You know, if I'm in a Monday night league against 
you know, Olu, you know, that morning we might not work on any team defense, but that night we'll have an opportunity to play a game and we can try to try some different tactics out. Um, so we really focus a lot on the counterattack in the preseason and offseason time. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, Beth Harberts, I hope I said that right. Are there drills that you run specifically focus on counter defense or is this taught naturally through the offensive drill? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, actually the, the practice plan that I shared today had a lot of counterattack defense in it. Um, and that day we were specifically working on breaking down counterattack defense. Um, so, you know, we worked that day a lot on like stunting um, and slowing down the counter. We did, you know, a passing. First we did that with nobody um, with just the defense moving in different ways. And then we did like a two on one. You have to stay within the cones drill and the defense is trying to see how many passes they can make the offense make. Um, obviously the more passes, the more chance of the trailer catching up. And then we went right into like a narrow counterattack where we made our pool even smaller, gave the athletes about four, four lanes, five lanes to work within, set the defense up in position where they were already kind of in between, um, where they can get on their back, read the goalies outlet pass, try to mess with them. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely some things we do. Um, specifically, you know, narrow counterattack is one. The other one is just set putting the defense already, you know, up to uh, in position so that when you blow the whistle, they can go right to their back and read where the goalie's throwing the ball and work on slowing it down and communicating with each other. Yeah. And when you're, when you're talking about your head up swimming, you know, and, and I, I really like that, you know, like how you're intentionally trying to get them to like look are you ever putting things out like on the deck and, you know, kind of thing like find this type of thing, or is it just like look around and try to see different sides or different zones or. That's a good idea. I should do that. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, one of the drills that I really liked most, I learned from Marcelo Leonardi in it. Um, you know, essentially it's, you know, they're swimming, swimming with the ball and, and you've got, you know, your hand up, you know, and as soon as your hand goes up, they've got to start going ball in hand. Your hand goes back down, then they're dribbling with the ball, which forces them to be looking at you at all times. Um, we also do like some change of direction drill where, you know, one whistle, you're going one way, but you're the coach is always holding their hand up. So they got to be reading where, where they're going. Um, so those are a couple of drills that we've done, but I like yeah. that. Idea. And Marcelo used to do like holding up certain numbers too, actually. I think I remember him doing that. So then they had to read, like tell that him. That such a brainiac, man. That guy yeah. is so intelligent. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Can't a lot of stuff have him I've, on. I've done. I think I've learned, learned from him for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, Pat O'Brien has a question. Uh, can you give some examples of goalie drills that you utilize? It sort of touched on it earlier, but maybe a little more specific. Uh, some goalie drills that you, that you use. Yeah, I mean, we talked about like the pull down to, to outlet pass. Um, you know, so you know, just giving them a pull down and they got to get up quickly, quickly and read, read those situations. Um, you know, one that you can incorporate the field players in is like a two-way counterattack, you know, where you know, they've got a one-on goalie going one way, they got to take the block and then immediately, you know, they're gross and go and they're going the other way. So you got to block, you got to take a one-on goalie and then you got to make the outlet pass um, coming out of that. Um, that day specifically, we had 
you know, a coach kind of swimming and then the goalie throwing the ball over their head at different distances so that they could read whether to come out and steal the ball or to kind of stay in and, and then protect against a inside water shot. Um, those are some things that are coming directly to mind. You know, we had uh, Michael Zellner, Mitze, working with our goalies this year. He's a wizard with that stuff um, and creating new goalie drills. Um, so on the days that he was there, he was doing all that stuff. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. You know, one, one question, and I don't have any more questions in the chat. So if anybody wants to ask really quick, I mean, we're, we're kind of pressed on time. We have about eight minutes, I would say, left. And if not, we cut it a little bit short. But um, when your field players get the ball and they're making a pass to an advantage, you know, like maybe an advantage opens up late, have you given them restrictions on passing it in the water, passing it dry? I mean, because what I would always tell my players is if you're inside like the six meter line, six meter line to the goal, it's got to be on the hand every time. Like you can't put it ever in the water. I hate when the ball lands in the water, tri yeah. dribbles to the goalie and the goalie ground. You know what I mean? So are you doing the same? Yeah. So same, I mean, similar. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I, I, my coaches used to always tell me early, wet, late, dry, you know, um, so we definitely, but we, you know, I think even like in those counterattack passing drills, like even when we're making them wet, we're still trying to put them like on the hand in the stroke, um, yeah. you know? And so the closer you get to the cage, the more that ball needs to be on your hand. Um, but we'll practice, you know, throwing wet passes across the pool on the hand wet. And then the pass five minutes later needs to be dry. Um, gotcha. You know, so we're definitely trying to work on, on those things specifically. Um, on where we're where we're doing it but I agree with you I mean the closer you are to the cage you know the bigger the chance of risk um, and I think that ball needs to be either like right on the hand wet or it needs to be dry in your hand and yeah it depends on your teammate too and how they like it for sure well um, looks like there's no more questions Ethan this is uh, this has been great I mean so much information so much knowledge and um, I, I want to thank you for taking the time and being on here again um, for those of you who haven't heard the episode of Off the Deck, Ethan was on. Uh, we released the episode a couple of days ago, really insight into his journey and uh, work ethic and doing the work and um, just all of his experiences uh, coaching some great players and being around and mentored by some great coaches as well. So I would definitely encourage you guys to listen to that. Uh, shameless plug on my end there. And then, um, you know, I think, uh, Ethan, you're going to share that. Yeah, uh, PowerPoint into the into the Slack channel. So anybody want to take a look? And how can someone get in touch with you, like on social media or anything like that? Yeah, um, I, I I don't know what my Twitter handle is off offhand. I gotta pull it up. But I'm on I'm on Twitter um, and Instagram. It's Ethan. It's at it's at Ethan D'Amato eleven. Is yeah, there your, you go. And I know that because I've wrote it so many times with my <laughs> with my tweeting it out. So. Yeah, Ethan so, D'Amato11 uh, for yeah. his Twitter handle. And you've, you seem to be pretty active on there. I mean, yeah. it's always nice when you get, like, questions and stuff on, on Twitter. So um, feel yeah. free. Any other – what about – do you mind if people, coaches email you or yeah, anything yeah. like that? Or? No worries at all. It's just my full name, Ethan D'Amato at Gmail, is my best, best way to, to get in touch with me. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm always down to talk some water polo, so – um, and and awesome. happy, happy to help out. 
And one last thing, uh, Alyssa, we don't have Off the Deck on Spotify, but it's on uh, Apple uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. So uh, check it out there. Ethan, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate this. This is super cool. And um, I'll, I'll be in touch. We'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Uh, really great. And obviously, really humbling. Thank you all, all to everyone that was on here today. Felt, felt pretty good talking to my colleagues, um, even if I couldn't, awesome. couldn't see you guys. Still, yeah. <laughs> still appreciate you being there. So thank you, Steve. Really appreciate what you're doing. Oh, no worries, man. Anytime. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. All right.